My name is Linda Nardelli. I'm a spiritual counselor and the author of Mystical Intimacy, a book on embodied mysticism. In this episode, I share insights and Mass India's guidance on, on how to move beyond illusions, how to see and how to sense with greater clarity and openness. First, I want to dispel the myth that this world is an illusion or, or that the universe is an illusion. From my perspective, from what Mass India has taught me, it's, it's our collective agreement of reality. It's our, our linear thinking mind that's the illusion. It's the way that we only see things through, well, a limited perception, the tyranny of the rational mind. When I first wrote this chapter, I struggled with, with the idea of illusion. I, I struggled with the, the traditional Eastern belief that the world is an illusion. I'd heard so many people refer to reality that way, and my father was one of these people. Everything's an illusion, he would say to me. What? What, including our differences, our struggle? I mean, this overarching statement, it soon became his go-to phrase, and, and to me, it minimized my feelings. It was one of his disassociative coping strategies that, unfortunately, well, it, it kept me at arm's length. It wasn't just a belief that he held. It was a way that it kept him from really living, really choosing to be part of this world. And I know someone that she shared a similar story with me, and for her, it wasn't her dad. She received the same statement from, from a spiritual teacher. It was at a, at a spiritual satsang where she shared about a situation that had occurred with a family member and how she had finally spoken up for herself. She was so shocked, really, that she had said no, and she'd really held her ground, and she'd brought this to her spiritual teacher too, because she wanted to understand the relevance of it and what that meant in terms of her spiritual growth. The teacher told her, and you would guess, he told her it's all an illusion, that none of her experience her thoughts and feelings were real. None of it. She felt so belittled, as you can imagine. She felt shamed, and she felt confused. He hadn't heard her or taken into the significance of her courage to speak up for her feelings. I can well imagine that the spiritual teacher, well, he wasn't too comfortable with the emotions, as many spiritual advocates believe that they, they are above they are detached from corporal feelings. Of course, he would expect her to be detached from her feelings. And that's something, interestingly, as a counselor, that I have to be mindful all the time, is to make sure that I'm very receptive to my client's state, to my client's like feelings or, my, or resistances or whatever that is going on for them, to become a welcoming presence for it. So as you can tell... I'm not fond of this statement, oh, it's only an illusion. Because, yeah, I find it so dismissive. So when I first started working on this chapter so many years ago, I I looked deeper into the origins of, of this concept of illusion, of what of the world being an illusion. I'm like, what what is meant by that? That I, I didn't receive in what my father had taught me. Like, what is it about this world being an illusion? that is meant by the ancient scripts. I discovered that the Sanskrit meaning, the word for illusion is maya, which refers to the, the fundamental idea that the universe cannot be reduced to our perception of it. 
So the Sanskrit word for illusion is maya. And it means that the universe, the world, cannot be reduced to our perception of it. It isn't linear. It's multidimensional. It is our human perception that restricts our experience, not the multidimensional universe and not Gaia. So, the earth is real. The universe is real. Mass India says that if the world were a figment of our imagination, then it would have no reality to it at all. It wouldn't exist. The earth is a living organism supported by natural cycles, a complex, regulating ecosystem that maintains life on earth, just like the bodies, our body's physiological system that regulates internal homeostasis. Mass India speaks at length about how the symbiosis in nature exists between our spirit and our human nature. And that there is a natural symbiotic connection between our spirit and the earth. And that inspires me to envision a world that isn't associated with illusion, but rather with reverence. Mass India has taught me time and time again that there is so much more to see and sense. And it is by embracing our shared divinity with earth that we lift the veil of Maya We move beyond our limited perceptions of reality. We move beyond illusions. Mass India says that the earth which we see and sense, hear, smell, and taste is very real. It is a tangible, vital existence that emerges. It merges physical experiencing with spirit consciousness to give God expression to give the sacred shared experience. We're just not fully awake to the union between heaven and earth or to the earth's full beingness, to her multidimensional existence, as we are not aware of our own soul and its many lifetimes. In the day-to-day, we don't have direct access to our spirit. We are overshadowed by perception, learned behavior, and expectations. But just imagine lifting the veil of this limited perception, this illusion, to emerge unfettered and whole. Speaking of wholeness, I wrote a poem for this chapter about wholeness and ultimately about the freedom to heal into consciousness, the freedom to remember who we truly are. As with every chapter of my book, I share a poem at the start of the chapter. This poem is called Beloved Mirage. And, and it's somewhat abstract. Abstractions have a way of delivering us from the mind and awaking us to the deeper mystery. So if you listen to the poem conceptually, you may miss the nuances or the deeper realm from which it arises. I invite you to listen to the poem internally. Turn within your felt sense experience. Notice your breathing Notice the impact of the words, what they elicit, what they awaken in you. Just notice. Laughter, love, and loneliness, fear, forgetting truth, cliff too high to climb and a forest strewn with diverging paths. I, I can't find my way. 
lost directions pointing everywhere. Where? Where do I turn? Where? Oh, I follow you. I follow your emotions, your gestures, and your eternal grief. I cross the river deep with memories. But the bridge, the bridge is falling. It's falling apart, falling, falling. I grab onto nothing, nothing. Where are you? Where are you, beloved mirage? In a past I'm no longer a part of. In a dream that didn't come true. When, when I take in this poem, I can feel its creation as though I just wrote it. I, I can feel the journey from love to loneliness and then fear overshadowing the heart's wisdom and truth. I can feel bewildered on that cliff's edge, tenuous on the brink of my emotions. I, I can feel lost, so lost, seeking and praying and, and welcoming the divine. Where do I turn? Where do I turn? I follow you, soul, self, inner being, inner seeing, inner sensing. I, I follow your emotions, your gestures, and your grief. I, I cross the river of emotions. I cross the river that is deep with memories. This is the journey. This is the healing journey. The river of memories, the, the river of subconscious experience and conditioned responses that, that have to be crossed. The dark underlying depths of the unconscious needs to be revealed. It needs to be delivered and freed. But the bridge is falling apart, falling, falling. I grab onto, onto nothing. And when I wrote this poem, it just felt good to let go. It felt good to descend into that emptiness where the mind isn't in control. Everything I've known, everything we've known and relied on for a sense of normalcy, for protection, identity, it isn't, it isn't needed it isn't useful when it comes to healing into consciousness. Moving beyond illusions is a, is a beckoning from within. It's a turning towards our inner wisdom, our felt senses, and, and our emotional maturation. It's a healing journey of, of letting the bridge, the structure, the, the coping mechanisms fall away and discovering our wholeness, our, our resourcefulness. Illusions, um, the limited perceptions of reality and, and this conditions interpretations of who we think we are or who we think we should be, define us and inevitably separate, they separate us from, from source, from, from divinity and from, well, our sense of worth. We forget. We forget that we are whole and sacred. In this chapter, I write about how illusions are imbalances of energies that, that are shaped by the stories that we make up about ourselves and each other, and how they are formed by misconceptions that originate from trauma and from unexamined thoughts, feelings, and, and behavior. And then it's not just our own experiences, it's our family's experiences, and it's the condition passed on through ancestry. And these misconceptions, these conditions, they overshadow our authentic selves. 
These are misconceptions like the belief that we shouldn't stand out to be visible because, well, because it's dangerous or, or the belief that we have to be tolerant, positive and unemotional and, and invulnerable so that we can belong. We sacrifice our souls to maintain these beliefs. We deny the guidance of our feelings and the flow of divine intervention. You know, when we are ensconced in these overshadowing misconceptions, ultimately, we are operating out of, uh, of old, old survival mechanisms, out of um, reactive, hypervigilant, fight-flight, freeze, appease, disassociated states. Anyway, we become braced against repetitive cycles. We become braced against the past, fearing that, that what happened in the past will happen again. Our energy then becomes aligned to these old patterns and survival because that's what we're focused on. We just don't realize that we're focusing on that. We don't realize we're projecting that onto our lives. We project neglect and abandonment, perpetuating the semblance of self-protection. We think that by not feeling abandoned or by, by not feeling vulnerable, that somehow we're safe. But we're not. We're just not responsive to the current time experiences. We're, we're not protected. We're disconnected. And that doesn't feel good. And when we're caught in, in the illusion, in the mirage of oppressed and limited perceptions of reality, these hyper-alert and hyper-vigilant coping mechanisms, they, they endure for a long time. And they build up into higher levels of anxiety and higher levels of coping, higher levels of desperation and depression. They keep us locked up inside. How can we feel, how can we be thriving then? How can we feel good about ourselves then? This limited perception of reality, it breaks apart our connection to, to our inherent need for safety and belonging because it, it keeps us at a point of, of such compromise. It keeps us from truly expressing who we are. You know, and that reminds me of something fundamental to children. All of us, as children, have two fundamental needs in our families. We need to feel safe and connected. We need that, that belonging. But we also need to freely express ourselves. So those are two contrasting needs, self-expression and belonging. So often, painful experiences cause a, a breaking apart of these two inherent beautiful needs that we all have as children. We still have those needs. We need, we need to connect. And we have this drive to survive, to belong, to, to be a part of the family. So as children, to belong and to be part of the family, we give up a lot of our authenticity. We give up on our self-expression, especially if our parents react to it, if our parents don't know how to manage their, their triggers. They don't know how to manage their energy and their stress. We do a lot as children to try to cope and try to manage it for them by, by compromising ourselves. So we, we give up a lot as children to belong. Yeah, we give up a lot of our freedom to be with others. Because if expressing ourselves brings about our, like I said, our, not just our parents' reaction, but their neglect, we will in inevitably thwart that self-expression to safeguard from a feeling of abandonment. We do anything for the connection, anything. 
And in time, if, if we cannot continue to withhold our natural expression, if, if we just can't be bridled, then we risk losing the love and approval of the family. A risk that is so painful for so many people, and including me, it was certainly very painful for me. I gave up a lot of myself to try to connect with my family. You know, as a child, I gave up my sensitivity. I covered it up as much as I could. In essence, I gave up my ability to see and sense clearly. I joined my family's field of confusion and avoidance. I, I was so confused by the time I started therapy at the age of 25. That, that was the premise of the work that I did with my counselor. It was to help lift the veil of confusion that was plaguing my sense of self. I had learned to do everything to circumvent conflict by being a good little girl, despite how unfairly and unconsciously my family treated me. And when I, I couldn't do that anymore, when I just couldn't, when I couldn't withstand the incoherence, the emotional and mental abuse, there was so much of that. Well, something greater than who I had become beckoned me to freedom. I gave up my family. I moved across the country. I I ventured alone. Uh, yeah, the bridge fell apart. I, the bridge fell. And I found spirit. And in time, I, I found my way to reconcile with my needs and desires, with my, with my own authentic expression, and, and with my family neurosis. I, I healed my relationship with my dad. And that was so important to me. He passed away a number of years ago, and I was at peace with him before he passed away. I'm so glad that I could do that with him. And I did that by, by learning to accept him as he was. I also grieved my mother's death. That's what I brought to therapy. I, I had to make peace with her passing and the neglect and her alcoholism. I, I also forgave my grandparents for how much they blamed my father for her death. I, and I, and I continued through the course of my life to open myself to source energy. I gave myself permission. And I continue to give myself permission to be me. It hasn't been easy, and it isn't easy for so many of my clients and friends. Breaking the chain of neglect and, and unconscious programming, well, it's tough work. It's tough work and, and necessitates radical honesty. This honesty, this spiritual, well, I call it spiritual integrity, it becomes our greatest ally in manifesting the lives that we long for. How else can we be open and, and available for the fruition of our longing and our prayers if, if we're not being authentic? However, let's face it, for many of us, stepping out of our family dynamic and our family familiar, like family thinking, initiates a spiritual dilemma. It initiates crisis, which brings us to the question, the question that so many of us ask, who am I? If we're not identified with the role we think we should play out as, as our mother's daughter, son, our father's offspring, as a, a sister, brother, a spouse, a parent, and so on, if we're not attached to beholding this illusion of who we think we're supposed to be, to survive. Who are we? I wonder who we are outside of the bounds of this, of these familiar yet limiting shapes that we've, we've carried for so long. Who are we when 
not molded by the fear of failure, for instance, or or who are we when we're not shaped by the fear of condemnation or rejection? Who are we when we're not limited or separated by um, the fear of loss? I believe that that we're visible and powerful beyond measure. When we're not identified with these illusions, we're visible and powerful beyond measure. And we're the leaders of our own lives. But what does that mean to be the leaders of our lives? What does it mean? I see it as the path of the hero. I don't think it means to be in control. I don't think it's about mastering our feelings and always being in charge, as I've seen so many people try to do. I think being the leaders of our own lives is about tapping into the deep well of our, of our inner resilience, our, our resourcefulness, and, and being available for change, really being available for change and growth. It's a surrendered state. It's not passive, but rather awake and willing. Mass India often says, especially in our book, they say we are multidimensional, as I mentioned earlier. We are so much larger than our current human experience. It's so freeing to step into the larger context of existence to, to consider that we are indeed so much more than any perceived limitation. Where there is stagnation, there is an opportunity for flow. Where there is pain and suffering, there is a call from within to shed the old skin and enter into faith. Where there is anger and resentment, hurt and sorrow, there is a need for forgiveness and opening to grace. Mahasi India says that it, everything we perceive is more expansive than our senses allow us to experience, such as our observation of the flesh of the human body. This is in my book. Flesh is visibly corporal in, in the space and time of the reality in which we have chosen to incarnate. Yet, in the totality of time, Mass India says that the, our image of flesh is only a partial picture because we are only viewing it through a three-dimensional reality, while the physical energy vibration of flesh is actually multidimensional. Here's a short excerpt from Chapter 6, just on this subject of our perception of reality, Mass India communicates. As scientists have discovered, at the molecular level, matter is actually energy expressed in quantum light waves. Energy is intrinsically multidimensional. However, your human perception cannot fully grasp this, at least not at this point in Earth evolution. There are future lifetimes where human vision is very similar to microcosmic vision. Imagine seeing flesh in all the detailed layers of skin, blood, and microorganisms. Mass India communicates, as scientists have discovered, at the molecular level, matter is actually energy expressed in quantum light waves. Energy is intrinsically multidimensional. However, your human perception cannot fully grasp this, at least not at this point in Earth evolution. There are future lifetimes where human vision is very similar to microscopic vision. Imagine seeing flesh 
and all the detailed layers of skin, blood, and microorganisms. Most people are adverse to this image and return to their familiar perception of flesh because it is what they are comfortable with. Yet, in a future lifetime, it will be quite ordinary to perceive flesh in all its dimensions of reality. So, how do you dispel illusion? Through choice. You like the illusion of your skin? Keep it. If you don't like your skin, such as with eczema, acne, deformations, or scarring, then it is necessary to examine your illusion. Your perception is a matter of choice. I want to add here that choice is not always a matter of free will, however. Some situations in life don't provide us with a wide breadth of freedom, such as with health conditions or the responsibility of caring for a family member who is ill. Some situations leave us feeling overstressed and hypervigilant. Where's personal choice in that? Well, I just want to take a moment to bring in Mass India here and, and ask them about that, because they throw the word choice around like it's easy. And I know from experience, and I think you do too, that personal choice is not easy at all. Hmm. That's a big question Ophelia is asking us. We are thrilled, very happy, really, to bring our attention to it. And let's just go back to the example that if you have a skin condition, and if, you know, if that's not something that you like, then we want you to examine your, your illusion. Well, that almost sounds condescending, in a way, when we say, well, it's your perception of of reality, and that's a choice. Well, but what if you've gone through a lot of medical procedures, and what if you've really tried to examine this and figure out what's the cause, and you find yourself here listening to this podcast somewhat frustrated, sure, by our message? Illusion, illusion, what are you talking about, Mass India? Mm. Look at these aging spots, and look at this sagging skin, and look at this, and look at that. And that's just one thing, that's the physical. But what about when it hurts? What, what? There's digestive issues and what have you. And these are all the aspects of your experience that we would have you examine. When we say examine your illusion, we mean examine your perception of reality. Don't take it at face value. There are so many skin conditions that get treated topically that have a much deeper, how can we say, cause, causation. Creams, beauty procedures, medical procedures are applied to the skin. And some people wonder, why the issue hasn't been resolved. Because there's so much more to look at. One's eating habits. One's relationship with food. But one's relationship with food is also one's relationship with energy. It has to do with one's relationship with other people and one's relationship with oneself. So when we say it's a, pers- it's a matter of it's a personal choice, we mean that you can continue to be a victim of life situations, you can continue to be 
or feel out of control and you can try to look for control or you can stop trying to control and you can do the work of listening inwards, of doing the inner journey, of letting anything that is going on in the external life guide you to your internal being and know that these are not separate. We can't tell you enough and how often what we perceive in working with people, and Ophelia as well here, is that one can feel so disempowered, powerless really, to affect change. When you are powerless, it's only natural that you try to take charge and control reality. So, The illusion then is that you're powerless and that you have to control reality to not be powerless. The illusion is a core belief that you are powerless. When you believe that you are powerless, there's a lot of things that happen to you outside of your field of desire. You end up experiencing a lot of what you don't want rather than being aligned to what you do want. When we say that it's a matter of personal choice, your perception is a matter of choice. We're not saying that all your life experiences are a matter of choice. We're saying your perception of those experiences are a matter of choice. You may have no choice but to keep a job you don't particularly like because of financial responsibilities. It would be so incredibly mm, infantile. They would lack responsibility for you to quit. Let's say if you have a child, a dependent, a spouse. Mm -hmm. Or if For instance, that job were the stepping stone towards really supporting you in the fruition of a more fulfilling career. There's no way for you to know that if you're operating out of powerlessness or operating out of reaction or operating out of this fighting against reality. Ultimately, what is wanting to happen is for you to literally fall in love with reality. That's our answer for everything, really. Mm -hmm. How do you dispel illusion? You fall in love with it. How do you heal? How How do you heal a skin condition? You fall in love with it. How do you heal physical pain in your body? You fall in love with it. How do you heal problems in a relationship? Fall in love with your relationship. How do you start to create a new world, a new reality in which you step into a much more fulfilling job? You explore all the ways that you don't trust that you can have a more fulfilling job or all the ways that you don't think you're skilled enough or all limiting beliefs that impede you in the fruition of that longing. And you get a little closer and a little closer and a little closer to your longing. You long for clear skin, 
to be in an environment where you're supported and be and fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Entering into an intimate relationship without longing is your choice. Indeed, it's a matter of choice. Their message reminds me of another passage in, in this book. Massey Diaz says that no matter where we are, where we come from, or what determines our quality of living, we in nature are beholden to one another, dependent on one another's care. We can only find deeper meaning in life and free ourselves from the bondage of oppression by, by honoring what is sacred in us. In this way, we care for our own nature. We embody our physical form with deep reverence and self-respect. In, in loving ourselves, we love the world. An action that regenerates and rebalances the earth itself. An action that expands our vision of reality. By opening our eyes to the beauty of who we truly are, we cease defining our worth based on external values and and instead we embrace our sacredness. When you embrace your divinity, Mass India says, you emit a strong frequency of possibility that shifts reality. You enter into the arms of miracles. I want to end this episode with another channeled message. This time it's a message from Gaia a message that I channeled for this chapter. Gaia says, There is no place more worthy of home than your love for me. It is the guiding force in your life, the will of divinity showing you the way home. Your love is guiding you home because it is shaped by the frequency of belonging. Thus, it manifests its counterpart, its place in time and space. Love influences the complete matrix, the symbiotic relationship between desire and reality. Follow me, my beloved. Return to my belly, my breasts, and my people. Shower them with affection and cherish every moment. There is no path but for the way to me. Come to me. Let me hold you in my love and show you that life is not the shadow of the past. It's a fresh new beginning. Home, home and belonging are not found in fear and disappointment. They are found in faith, gratitude and devotion. Give everything to me. Give everything to me and I will give everything to you. It's by welcoming every aspect of our humanity that we truly receive what the earth has to offer us. Then we don't try to control nature. Instead, We investigate the alternate ways we can benefit from this land and body. In Mass India's words, being true to our divinity, opening our soul channel, is the greatest healing gift that we can give the earth and humanity. The Body Soul Podcast is brought to you by Linda Nardelli. You can find out more about her book, Mystical Intimacy, on her website, lindanardelli.com and on Amazon. The podcast is her deepening exploration of the book's messages and the teachings of Masindia. Music for this episode is from the Purple Planet Collection, written and performed by Chris Martin and Jeff Harvey, and the podcast editing by Igor Masharyakov.